You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Higher. Enjoy. God is so good. Father, we thank you for this time together. You are our victory and our joy. Lord, you're so good. You're a good, good father. Even in the midst of of different circumstances, unexpected circumstances, you're the victory and foundation of our lives, and you are moving us forward. We're flourishing during this time. Hallelujah. We're increasing. We're growing. We're expanding. We're moving forward. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 God is so good. Hallelujah. I want to invite you to get your Bible, to, to plug in to what the Holy Spirit has for you. Uh, we, we've got fresh, hot Jesus to, to feast on this morning, and, and we're so excited about it. You know, God is so good, and I don't know how he does it, but we know that, that sickness and disease are never from him. We know that, that he, he has never subcontracted Satan to get a project done. They never work together. Jesus taught us this and demonstrated this in word and deed very clearly. And what's amazing, even in the midst when the enemy is working his schemes and through viruses or whatever he might be working through, God is greater, God is stronger, and God is, you know, I heard a minister say, and I think it's great, he said, if you want to know what God is doing, look what the devil is doing and then reverse it. <laughs> That's true. So I think back to November of last year as the Lord was building my expectation for 2020, and the enemy began trying to manipulate and work his schemes in my life back in November. And we, are, we were so excited, and we're more excited now, we were so excited to step in to this new decade. A decade of praise is what we declared. Yes. And, and, and this, this moving forward in all that God has for us, I want you to know that what's going on in the world is not going to hinder us or slow us down from fulfilling our destiny. Because we're God's sons and daughters. We're his people. And our resources, our strength, our wisdom and direction is not from this world. It's from the very spirit of God himself. It comes from God's very throne. And nothing can stop that flow in our lives because our eyes are on Jesus. And we're looking to him. We're starting a new message today called Higher. Higher. And we want you to understand something. Obviously, there's a battle going on in the world. And we see that now with the, the panic and the fear around the coronavirus, right? Certainly there's a battle going on. Hebrews tells us that everything in this seen realm, in the material realm, comes from the spirit realm. So you know when, the, when you can see a battle going on in the physical realm, there's a battle going on in the spiritual realm. That's good. That's good. Make no mistake, what is this battle all about? If you're in a battle, if you're in a war, and you don't know why, that's a problem. Right? If you're in a war, you need to know what you're fighting for. Right? Let me tell you exactly what this battle is about. The the spiritual darkness in the spirit realm is trying to keep you from grabbing a hold of the true knowledge of God. I want you to know this. You need to know exactly why the, the stuff is going on in the world. And it's not just now during the coronavirus scare. It's, it's been taking place uh, since Jesus ascended back to the Father, Right? Spiritual forces of darkness are trying to keep you from realizing how good God is. <laughs> That's exactly what the battle's about. They're trying to keep you from grabbing a hold of the true knowledge of God's love for you. 
Because once, when you grab a hold of the true knowledge of God, when you realize how much he loves you, how good he is, and what he's already accomplished for you, there is no demon, there is no virus, there is no situation, no circumstance that will be able to stop you. The only thing that could stop you from fulfilling your destiny is if you don't grab a hold of the true knowledge of God. If you listen to man's philosophies and man's religious tradition, we want you to know that God is so much better than, than, than man's religion. He's so much better than your greatest dream or imagination. He's exceedingly abundantly above everything you've ever thought or imagined. And we want you to know that Jesus came to take you higher. He came to elevate you. And, and, and listen, I, I, I'm done with trying to say things in a way so religious police don't get mad. I, I've, got, I've got the time I have with you and I'm just going to tell it like it is. Jesus came to lift you up. Do you know we praise him not because he wants to be adored? We praise him because he wants to lift us up. Hallelujah. Do you hear that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, God is all set by himself. He's not looking for a stepladder. He's not looking for some way where he can go higher. He's looking to lift you up higher. Because when you're higher, you see things that you couldn't see when you were lower. God wants to elevate you, to lift you up and, and set you in a high place where nothing is obstructing your vision of him, where nothing is hindering your forward progress. Hallelujah. So Jesus came to lift us up out from underneath the oppression of darkness. He came to take us out from underneath depression, out from underneath oppression, out from underneath sickness, lack, poverty, confusion, anxiety. He came to set you far above your enemies, high above your enemies. In fact, he seated us at the Father's right hand with himself. You can't go any higher than that. But if you don't realize what I'm sharing with you from the scriptures, the true knowledge of God, you're not going to live from this high place. And you're not going to be able to see where he's taking you because you've got your eyes on what's going on around you and what man has said about God. You don't need that. You need to know what God has said about God. Right? Hallelujah. Jesus came to restore us back to the place of the Father's original intent. Amen. As his very own sons and daughters. What does a son of God, a daughter of God look like? Full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of patience, full of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? Hallelujah. Let's get a little bit of history to help us see clearly this morning, all right? Let's go back. We're going to go back to the beginning. We're not going to read through Genesis, but let's just go back to the beginning a little bit. Let's get a vantage point so we can go forward today. Sometimes to see clearly today, you have to remind yourself of what took place before you. That's why history is so important. We don't live in the past, but we reference the past as inspiration for our future, okay? So back in Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth, and you can read this in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. We're not going to read it for time's sake. But we know that God who is love, right? First John tells us that. God is love. He, he's, he's not trying to love you. He is love, okay? That's his nature. That's, that's who he is. He, he never changes. When you come to God, all he knows how to do is to love you. He doesn't know how to not love you. He doesn't know how to not love. Isn't that amazing? That's his nature. So God who is love created man 
in his image. Okay? He created mankind in his image. And if you'll read the actual text of Genesis, it, God says that he gave mankind, Adam and Eve, authority, dominion, sovereignty over the earth. Wow. Talk about higher, right? God made man in his image. He put his son, his daughter in the earth, and he set them above the earth in terms of their authority. He gave them authority to walk with him on the earth, to be his ambassadors and representatives in the earth, to exercise his authority, his sovereignty, on his behalf. Amazing. You can read this all in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and, and, uh, and even into 3. As long as man, his son, his daughter, Adam and Eve, as long as they exercised his authority in the earth, it was paradise. As long as they, they exercised the authority of their father in their lives and over the earth, there was peace, untroubled, undisturbed well-being. There was no death in the earth. There was no sickness. There was no, I'm going back before the fall now. You have to understand this timeline. God didn't, never wanted sickness in the earth. He never wanted disease in the earth. He never wanted thorns and mosquitoes in the earth, right? He, these, were, these were not a part of his plan. It didn't even rain before the fall, right? The scriptures teach you, you need to know your history, where you come from. The scriptures teach us that a mist would rise from the ground to water the earth. I'd like to try and imagine how amazing that would have been. But I'm telling you right now, we, we, we don't even have a taste of how glorious that was. Because the earth in its current condition is a mess, right? It, it, it is under the curse of sin and it's, it's, it's groaning and, and waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. But you've got to understand where we've come from. So as long as man exercised the Father's authority in the earth, there was peace. Now, we also know from Genesis and through New Testament revelation that Satan was in the earth at this time, but he had no authority. You still with me? Yeah, yeah. Shoot a comment up there or something. Yeah. Say, preach it, man. Exactly. All right? So Satan was also in the earth, but he had already rebelled against God, and, and, and his rebellion took that long. He was cast down to the earth, and because God had spoken, Satan had zero authority in the earth. Who did God give authority over the earth to? Adam and Eve, his son and daughter. Satan could do nothing in the earth. Satan had no means of getting back at God, no means of hurting God's children. So important to understand this. But Satan hated God. And therefore, he hated his children. He hated mankind. He hated God's son and God's daughter. And we know Jesus told us exactly what Satan's goal is. And you've got to know this because of the battle we're in. What is Satan's goal? To steal, to kill, and destroy. you got to watch out now. I've been watching Columbo. Okay. Come on, if you know what Columbo is, go ahead and give us a Columbo shout out online there. You, have you ever watched Columbo? It's, it's a series from the 70s. I, I, I've been watching it. I, I know how criminal minds work now. Just, just step back. So what's Satan up to? He's up to stealing, killing, and destroying, right? So you got to look at your situations. You're going to say, um, ah, just one more thing. Um, does what's going on in my life have anything to do with, uh, with stealing, killing, or destroying? Then uh, it, it, it's not from my father. This is how Columbo would say it. You, you, you gotta, you got to be a detective in life. You've got to analyze the evidence and the circumstances to know where that stuff comes from. If it has anything to do with stealing, killing, and destroying, uh, uh, it's, uh, pardon me, man, but it's, it's not from your father. 
okay? So how is Satan going to accomplish his goal? He has no authority in the earth. We're going back to Genesis 1 and 2. What can he do? How can he steal? The only chance that Satan had to kill and destroy and to get back at God was if he could steal the authority that God gave to Adam and Eve over the earth. He had to deceive them. He had to somehow get them to enter into a spiritual law. What is that spiritual principle? See, Satan's been around a lot longer than man has, and he knows what's right and wrong. He understands how spiritual things work, and there's a spiritual principle given to us in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, and it's this, that you become subject to the one you obey. Satan knew that. Stay with me. This is a Columbo episode. You got to watch the whole thing to, to, to figure this out, all right? You become subject to the one you obey. Satan knew that. So if he could get Adam to obey him, by default, Adam would become subject to him, to Satan. Satan knew that. Well, how is he going to get, how is he going to get Adam and Eve to obey him? How's he going to steal that authority? Let's look at Romans chapter 5, 17. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Romans 5.17. I'm going to read this to you out of the Weymouth translation. This is so enlightening. Hallelujah! Woo! You can shout in your house. I hope there's some loud hallelujahs going on right now in every apartment and house. Hallelujah! Come on, let's wake up the neighbors. Hallelujah! Woo! They're going to want to come in and see what's going on. This is the Weymouth translation of Romans 5.17. It says, for if through the transgression of the one individual, who is that? Adam, right? Here it is. Here's here's Columbo exposing the criminal. Death made use of the one individual to seize the sovereignty. A lot of confusion about sovereignty in the body of Christ, right? Get rid of that confusion. Go to the scriptures. Satan stole the sovereignty over the earth. From who? Adam. How? How did Satan do it? By getting Adam to believe things about God, his father, that weren't true. By giving him false knowledge of God. And his same strategy today. That's how he can steal from you. So what did he do? He told Adam and Eve lies about the nature and will of their father. He does the same thing today. Listen to me. If you're believing things about the will and nature of God, your father, that aren't true, it gives Satan opportunity to steal from you. That's why it's so vital that you hear messages like you're listening to right now that give you fresh, hot, Jesus, the true knowledge of God, not theology, not seminary pontifications, but fresh Jesus. You don't need carnal reasonings. They will trip you up. They'll keep you from experiencing God and they'll they'll create avenues for Satan to operate in your life. Look at Hosea 4.6. Stay with me. Don't get, don't get mad at the nice preacher with the maroon shirt on. Get mad at the devil. That's right. That's right. Direct your, your passion in the right place. Right? It's time to be free. It's time to be free. Hosea 4.6. Look at this. My people are destroyed. Why? For lack of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? The true knowledge of God 
the Father. If you're not grounded in the true knowledge of God's will for you, of God's nature, how he will respond to you, what he's already accomplished for you in Christ, it leaves openings and avenues for the devil to steal from you and operate in your life. Look at the New Living Translation. Are you ready? My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. I am shocked by the things I hear Christians say. There are those saying that, you know, that God uses the coronavirus and that God somehow, maybe he didn't cause it, but he allowed it, implying that this is a part of God's plan. That is that is so far from the true knowledge of God, it ain't funny. My people were destroyed because they don't know me. God has never and will never use sickness and disease to teach you anything. Why? He's a good, good father. You know, I tell you, you don't have to be a scholar to know, understand this. It's so, the, the true knowledge of God is so simple. It's, it's the, the carnal reasoning and pondering and, and turning things around and upside down and back and forth that confuses people. Jesus made this so plain when he said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your father? You can't make it any plainer than that. So if, if there's something going on in the world around you in your life, ask yourself a question. If you want to know if, if it's from God, would a good father do that? When you're reading your Bible, listen closely to me. If you come to a conclusion about God that, 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 that contradicts what Jesus taught us, you, you've, met, you've come to a wrong conclusion. And you have to ask yourself, would a good father do that? That is probably one of the best Bible study questions you can ask yourself when you're studying the Bible. Because the Bible is a big book and there's a lot of stuff going on there from Genesis to Revelation. There's a lot of stuff that's, that's not good, that came as a result of, of man submitting himself to Satan and the curse of sin. And it's not God's will for us at all. But you've got to be willing to step back from what you've been through and fix your eyes upon the true knowledge of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the true knowledge of God. Hallelujah. We are very big on the promises of God here at Highway Church. And you'll hear me bring up 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And this is the primary reason, because not only is Jesus the true knowledge of God, but the promises God has given us in his word reveal to us the true knowledge of God. And when you embrace the true knowledge of God, you will automatically be elevated and lifted up and set on a high place. You will see things that you've never seen before. Hallelujah. Now, when you come to know the true knowledge of God, it empowers you to exercise your authority over Satan and keep him from operating in your life. So if I'm believing false knowledge of God, it creates opportunity for Satan to operate in my life. But when I get the true, I grab a hold of the true knowledge of God, it empowers me to take authority over Satan and stop him from doing what he'd like to do in my life. So you see, the true knowledge of God is the commodity in this world. It's what the battle is over. And that's why I encourage you, man, you know, get these messages. Every message that we preach on Sunday is released as a podcast, and you can get it in the iTunes store. Just search for Highway Church. You can go to our website, highwaychurch.us. Get the true knowledge of God in you. We are committed, and we don't know everything, but what I'm talking about is not knowing everything. I'm talking about the basic ABCs that Jesus revealed to us through his ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. 
You don't have to know everything. Man, just get a hold of ABC and you're all set. So this is what this battle in the earth is all about, trying to keep people from grabbing hold of the true knowledge of God. The true knowledge of God will lift you up. It will elevate you above your circumstances, and it will enable you to see things that you couldn't see before. How many have seen the movie, I think it's an Amazon original, I don't remember, but it's, it's called The Aeronauts. Anybody seen The Aeronauts? Uh, just, if you have, go ahead, type, yeah, Aeronauts, in the comments there. Do you know how to spell it? I don't, so. <laughs> if you misspell it, we won't take any points off, all right? But in this movie, The Aeronauts, check this out. Now, it has, I guess it has some historical truth to it and some fiction and I don't know how much is, is which, but the, the point is very clear. There's a, a gentleman who's a scientist, and he, he uh, in, in the area of meteoro meteorology, and he, he studies the weather. And this is back in, uh, boy, anybody give me a year? I don't remember what the year is. Yeah, it is the 1800s. I don't remember exactly when. But basically, the only method they have of getting in the air at this time was hot air balloons, Okay. So this man was convinced that there are things about weather patterns they didn't know. And that the only way that they could learn things they didn't know was to go higher than they've ever been. Are you with me? And, and people laughed at this man. He said, if we can just go higher than we've ever been, if we can get above the weather, above the conditions, I, I'm convinced that we can see patterns, that we can stutter, study the climate of this world and understand things that would benefit agriculture and farmers and, and help mankind out. And people thought he was crazy. But someone agreed to fund his experiment, his mission, and he got into a hot air balloon and he went up. And in the movie, as they're rising to go higher to reach their destination, they're not there yet, but in the process of their journey, a storm it comes their way, and it's a storm with thunder, with lightning, with rain, and it's threatening their mission. Stay with me. They're going higher so they can see things they couldn't see before. And in the process of their mission, a storm comes to stop their progress, to stop their elevation, to keep them from seeing things they couldn't see before. And what was their response to it? They had two options. They could let, uh, let the air out of the balloon and retreat, go back to where they were before. That was one option. What are you going to do? Yeah, Here's your second option. They got rid of unnecessary weight so they could go higher and be lifted above the storm. Those are your two options in life. Are you going to let what man and religion say about God send you back down to where you were before in that place of confusion where you don't know what God's will is, you don't know what your father's intentions for you, you don't know what to rebuke and what to accept? Are you going to get rid of the, the weight of religious tradition and go right to Jesus and realize that he came, that you might have life and might have it more abundantly, that he bore your sicknesses, he carried your diseases, that the peace of Christ belongs to you and let him lift you up above the storm of man's wisdom into a high place where you can see the reality of how good your father is. Well, they made the decision to get rid of the unnecessary weight. So they had to do an inventory of things that were in their life, in their balloon, that they didn't need. It's time to do inventory of things in your life you don't need. If it has anything to do with fear, throw it out. It's time to take stock of the things that are in your life. There might be some relationships you need to let go and move on from. Why? Because they're keeping you down. The input that comes into your life through that relationship doesn't lift you up, doesn't help you, doesn't strengthen you, doesn't help you see your father more clearly. It adds confusion to you. So they began looking around saying, we don't need this. 
threw it overboard. We don't need that, threw it overboard. Their mission became critical. They realized we have to get above this storm and the only way we're gonna do that is to get rid of the things we don't need in our life. And this is what's wonderful about focusing on Jesus. What's unnecessary becomes very clear. And that's the difference between a regular light and a laser. The only difference is the focus. A laser takes all of the energy of the light and focuses it in one point. These lights just throw all that energy, scatter it across the room. So it doesn't burn anything. But a laser, when you focus like a laser on Jesus, you become very powerful. And you'll, you'll burn right through what stops other people. You'll walk right through it. You'll walk right through it. So as we're, we're worshiping, this is worship right now. God's word is we're worshiping with his word. You let the Holy Spirit reveal to you the things that are in your life that are keeping you down. Isaiah chapter 40, higher, verse 28. Let's start there. The true knowledge of God. What's Satan trying to do? He's trying to get you to hold on to false ideas about God, to man's religious tradition, to all of these wrong concepts of God to keep you on the ground. But look at this, Isaiah 40. Talk about the true knowledge of God, verse 28. Do you not know? My people are destroyed because they don't know me. Remember Hosea 4, 6? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. He's not tired of you. He's not weary of you coming to him. His understanding, the New American Standard says, is inscrutable. What does that mean? Listen, can't be penetrated, can't be understood by carnal reasoning. I'll say that again. His understanding, his understanding is inscrutable, can't be understood with the mind of the flesh or carnal reasoning. See, that's why all things are possible to God, but all things aren't possible, all things aren't possible with man's religion. That's why people will criticize you when you believe God. People will make fun of you and criticize you and, and, and reject you, and you're just believing God for what he says is true. Look at verse 29. We're talking about the true knowledge of God. He gives strength to the weary. He heals the sick. Isn't that what we see in the ministry of Jesus? Can you find one place where Jesus went to a sick person and said, stay down? That's where God wants you? No, you can't. Why? Because that's false knowledge of God. Jesus is the true knowledge of God. What does he do when he comes to someone who's down? He lifts them up. He says, get up and walk. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. The impression I was given growing up in the religion I grew up that God was a little short on power. And he didn't want you to get any because he didn't have enough to give out. He's perfect power. There's nothing anyone could do to cause God's power to decrease in any way. He could give out power to every human being on the planet in one moment and, he, and the, the meter of his power would still be 100%. He gives strength to the weary. This is true knowledge of God. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Verse 29 in the Amplified Classic says it this way. He gives power to the faint and weary. And to him who has no might, he increases strength, causing it to multiply and making it to abound. Why? So that you don't have to lay down anymore and crawl around on the ground anymore, but you can jump up and leap and dance and run in the path of his commands for he sets your heart free. Hallelujah. Verse 30, a new American standard. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for, expect, 
look for and hope in. Did you get all that? Uh, that's, that's in the Amplified. The Lord will gain new strength. Now, I want to come, come against a wrong, a false knowledge of God. If you will read that, and this is why the Amplified helps us, those who trust in, those who hope for, those who expect from, those who look to the Lord will gain new strength. Why am I bringing that up? Because the English word W-A-I-T. And what people will often do is say, well, you just got to wait. Just got to wait for the Lord to move. We're just going to have to wait it out. That's not at all what this scripture teaches. Why? Because God's already moved. He already sent his son. He's done everything he could do to deliver you. And if you're waiting for him to do something else, you're going to be waiting a long time. He's waiting for you to believe him. He is. He's waiting for you to throw out the baggage of religious tradition and look to his son Jesus and just simply believe in what he said. And you'll find when you do that, everything you need has already been provided for you. So this, is, this, this word, if you'll study it out in the Hebrew, it's, it's not passive in any way. It's not what we might think of when we say waiting, just like sitting around waiting for something to happen. It's, it's waiting upon, in other words, it's, it's focusing on and serving, looking for the desires of God like a, an excellent waiter would wait on you in a restaurant. When you come in, I love going to a place that knows how to do hospitality. Because you come in and you become the focus of their attention. That's good. Right? You come in and they wait on you. Right? They want to know where would you like to sit? Um, you know, would you like to start with an appetizer? They'll, you're, you're, if you're in a good place that does it right, your water will never really go down that low. Right? You take a few sips, they come by and fill it up again. Why? They're focused on you. They're focused on your desires. They want to make sure your needs are met. Well, see, we're focused on Jesus. We want to know that his desires are being carried out in the earth. This is what this scripture is talking about. When you're focused, when the desires of the Father become your desires, when the plans and purposes of God become your plans and purposes, you will rise up on wings like eagles. Let's read the rest of this. You will gain new strength. You'll exchange your strength for his strength. Hallelujah. When God's desires become your desires, when you embrace the true knowledge of God, his strength will become your strength. You will mount up. Up. That's God's direction for you. Up. Higher. Stronger. Greater. Close to God. With wings like eagles, they will run and not get tired. What? Um, did you just say, ma'am, that uh, they're going to uh, run and not get tired? Yes. That's the true knowledge of God. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. That is humanly, according to carnal reason, not possible. Do you see in this simple passage the true knowledge of God and what he wants to do in your life? He wants to keep you from becoming weary. He wants his strength to be your strength. He wants you to walk and not become faint. He wants you to run and not get tired. He wants you to fulfill your destiny. And he's provided everything you need to do that. Hallelujah. The true knowledge of God enables you to take your place as God's child in this earth. The true knowledge of God enables us to take our place as sons of God who are seated with Christ high above the forces of darkness. You see, this, more than anything else, has been the greatest hindrance to the body of Christ is the believing of false 
knowledge of God, the preaching of false knowledge of God, instead of the declaration of the true knowledge of God. When the body of Christ gets hold of the true knowledge of God, you will see an impact in this world that has never been seen before. We're going to do our part, right? So Jesus is the true knowledge of God. And I like Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus is your elevator. Get on. Push the button. Believe what he says and get in. Because he's going up. And he wants you with him. Matthew 4, 16. I like this scripture. This is as God the Son, Jesus the true knowledge of God, comes into the earth and begins his ministry. And this is how the Holy Spirit describes it in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 4. It says, the people which sat in darkness, where's that? Planet earth. It's where we're at right now. Dark place. The people who sat in darkness saw great light. What was that light? The true knowledge of God. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, where is that? Earth. Why is earth the region of death? Because of the curse of sin. They came upon the earth, ruined everything. So this earth is going to pass away, right? But God's going to give us a new heaven and a new earth. Isn't that awesome? So they're, they're on the earth and light has sprung up in the earth. What light is that? The true knowledge of God. Listen, the Bible has been divided into two sections, right? We've got the Old Testament and we've got the New Testament. You cannot understand the Old Testament or the New for that matter apart from the light of Christ, apart from the true knowledge of God. And so many people read the Bible in darkness, based on what they've been told in their religious tradition. So if I want to understand the Old Testament, I've got to read it through the light of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, man, was a dark, dark, dark place. After the fall of Adam, darkness came into the earth, and, and, and for the most part, man was pretty much clueless. Man couldn't see God clearly. Man murder. Man began to do horrible things to each other. And, and God began to, uh, a plan to get his son into the earth to turn this thing around. But you've got to understand, if you start reading uh, in, in the Old Testament, it's a progressive revelation of God. So the further back you go, the closer, the further back in time you go to the fall, the darker things get. So if you want to, you, you, you've got to read the Old Testament through the light of Christ and see, you know, God's people were in such darkness, if they didn't understand what was going on in the world around them, they'd just say, God did it. Just wanted to see if you're still watching. How many times do I hear Christians today saying that? Don't understand, well, God's up to, well, God must be doing it. God did it. Should not be the case. Should never cross our lips again. Why? Because light has sprung up. Jesus has come. We've got the true knowledge of God now. We know exactly what God's will is. We know exactly how he'll respond to us. Amen. Jesus told us. He demonstrated that God is a good father. He'll never give you a stone if you ask for bread. He'll never give you a serpent. Come on. Basic common sense tells us that God wouldn't use a virus to teach us something. What parent would ever do that to their child? See, don't throw away good sense when you come to God. Use it. There's no, Jesus has taken the mystery away from God's will. Religion likes to keep it there because that gives them a justification for saying stupid things. Jesus taught us clearly it's God's will for you to be well. You read it for yourself. Great time to read the Bible during this quarantine, right? Read, look, look through Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Acts and see how God responds to those who believe. See what God's will is regarding sickness. We read during communion, Psalm 105. God's will concerning your finances is what? That you prosper. 
Why did God bring them out with silver and gold? They went from poverty to wealth. The wealthiest nation on earth, I believe, at that time gave God's people their wealth. Why? God wants to prosper his children. Doesn't a good father want that? Come on, just use some good sense when you're coming to conclusions about God. You don't need to be a scholar to figure these things out. It, would a good father want that for his children? Yeah. So let's look at some scriptures before we finish. We're going to look at three for time's sake, and then we, we got a couple more passages after that. But there are some scriptures in the New Testament that give us a summary of the true knowledge of God. All right? Give us a summary of the ministry of Jesus Christ that reveal to us the light of God's goodness, the light of his love for us. Matthew 4.23 is one of those scriptures. All right? And it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. The true knowledge of God. Matthew 9.35, another summary scripture. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching. What is he teaching? The true knowledge of God. Where? In church, in synagogues. And preaching the good news of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. True knowledge of God. Isn't this simple? It's so simple. When you just block out the noise and look at Jesus. Acts 10.38. Another summary scripture. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good. True knowledge of God. What does God go about doing? Good. When? All the time. He doesn't know how to do anything bad. God's never done anything bad. I can feel some religious fuming out there. He's never done anything bad. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. Oh, there it is. Oppressed by the devil. How was the devil oppressing people? By getting them, presenting false knowledge of God to them. And Jesus teached and preached the true knowledge of God so they could receive healing. Who were oppressed by the devil for God was with Jesus. This word oppressed is a tough word. It means the devil was subjecting people to harsh and authoritarian treatment. That's what happens when you believe stuff that's false about God. The devil can manipulate you. The devil can push you down and you don't have any defense. He can condemn you and tell you that God's left you and that that God, you made too many mistakes and God's not for you anymore. And in order for you to ever get back to God, there are a long list of things you've got to do and that list is just too cumbersome and it wears you out. And none of that's true. Oppress means to keep someone in subservience and hardship. Satan wants to keep you sick. He wants to keep you broke and poor. He wants to keep you confused. Are we still rolling? Are we still live? I want to make sure I'm I'm just going to keep on preaching here whether we're live or not, I guess. All right. See, I'll tell you what my life's been like in the last few weeks. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about you. And he said, when you stand before that camera, you let me loose. You let me flow right through you into that camera and into the, the heart of everyone who's listening. So this is what the devil wants. He wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you uh, in hardship. And, and he wants you to, to experience the unjust oppression of darkness. 
He wants, he wants you to be distressed. He wants you to be anxious. He wants you to, to, to have no hope. And that's what false knowledge of God, how can, I, how can I believe in a God who's going to hurt me? How can I believe in a God when I don't know how he's going to respond to me? I can't. Do you understand that? How can I trust someone if tomorrow they're going to zap me with a sickness? I can't. I can only trust in someone when I'm sure of how they'll treat me, and I'm not going to trust in someone who's going to hurt me. Isn't this just simple, good sense that we all know, but somehow we're tempted to throw that out when it comes to God? We're not going to do that because Jesus taught us to not do that. He said, you know these things. This is simple. God's a good father. You know what a good father's like. You know he never do these things to you. This word oppress comes from the Latin, which means press against. Satan wants to press against you to get you to believe things about God that aren't true. And unfortunately, there's a whole lot of people allowing him to do it. Glory to God. Satan oppresses us with with condemnation, with uh, works, He wants you to try and earn your place in God. Fear. But the solution to all of these lies that Satan presents to all of us is the goodness of God. The true knowledge of God is he's good all the time. Your whole life will change when you realize that God is all good And the devil is all bad. That should be the ABCs of what we know. That's not advanced. That's that's ABC. God is all good all the time. The devil's all bad all the time. Right? So the solution to the devil's strategies is the goodness of God. What do I mean? You personally knowing beyond the shadow of doubt how good God is and what that means as you go through your daily life. That means when I get up in the morning, God is for me. He's moving on my behalf all day long. It means the same Jesus that healed the sick, raised the dead, caused caused people to prosper with with net-breaking, boat-sinking loads of fish. That same Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's operating in my life by the power of the Holy Spirit every step I take. This is how we live now. We have a confidence in our Father because He's so good. And then a fear or uncertainty knocks on our door. We don't let it in. Why? Because our Father's good. Our Father would never do that to me. Our Father would never allow that. And instead of accepting things, we take authority over them and keep moving forward. Look at Romans chapter 5. We've got two more passages here, and then we're going to be done. Romans chapter 5. We looked at verse 17 earlier. We're going to read 17 through 21. For if, verse 17, for if by the transgression of the one, who's the one? Adam. Death sees the sovereignty, right? We read that in the Weymouth translation. Death, this is a new American standard. Death reigned through the one. Much more, way more, a whole lot more. Those who receive the abundance of grace. When you come to know the true knowledge of God, you'll know he always, 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 always gives you more than enough. That's his nature. We see it in the scriptures. The abundance of grace. That means there's much more, way more grace than you'll ever need in your life. 
Hallelujah. And the gift of righteousness, those who receive these two things, the abundance of God's grace, true knowledge of God, and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So I've got to have the knowledge of the abundance of his grace and the gift of righteousness. If, if, if I need to realize that God did what he did simply because he loves me, not because of what I've done. That he loves me not because of what I do or don't do. He loves me because he's good. And that no matter what I do or don't do, his love for me remains the same. No matter what I do or don't do, he's just as much for me as he was before. That he's always 100% for me. God is my cheerleader. God is cheering for you. God is saying, what do they say? Boom, ba, sis, boom, ba. I don't know what a cheerleader say. I don't know. But anyway, he's cheering for you. He's got his hands in the air saying, you can do this. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm in you. I got you. Move forward. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be confounded. Don't be dismayed. I'm with you. I'm in you. I'm holding your right hand. So I've got to know the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. That means I, you know, there's something, both of these things that I need to reign in life have in common. They were given to me as a gift. I didn't do anything to earn or, or, or merit them. This is hard for man's religion because man wants to give you a list of things you have to do to earn what God, uh, God answering your prayers or God doing things for you. But Jesus just told me in Romans 5, and this is the Holy Spirit, right? That I need to know the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. I need to receive the gifts that God has given me so that I can reign in life, so that I can take authority over the enemy in my life. And know that my righteousness is a gift. I can't lose it. Because I didn't earn it. It was given to me permanently. God's not someone who gives something, then pulls some strings and takes it away later if you don't measure up. What he gives you, it's yours forever. When God gave you his righteousness, it's yours forever. It's not a weak, flimsy thing that, that, that leaves if you don't do right. When he gave you the abundance of his grace, it's forever. What does that do when we know that what God has given us is unshakable? It puts us at ease. It gives us a confidence. It gives us a peace that we don't have to walk on eggshells anymore. That we can go forward without concern. Verse 18. So then as through one transgression, that was Adam's sin, there resulted condemnation to all men. So you understand that before we put our faith in Christ, listen closely to what I'm going to say. We were not sinners because we sinned. Hear what I'm going to say. Before we put our faith in Christ, we were not sinner because of the sins we we were not sinners because of the sins we committed. We were sinners because of our nature. Listen, before I received Christ, it didn't matter how many good things I did or how many bad things I did, my nature was sin. I was a sinner. Why? Because the first man sinned. And I was underneath that. Okay? That's actually good news, believe it or not. Let's keep reading. Even so, verse 18. So before Christ... No matter what I did, I was under the oppression of the enemy before Christ. Didn't matter how many good deeds I did. My nature was dark. My nature was sin. Even so, in the same way, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Now stay with me. Say something that will rock your world. So before I put my faith in Christ, it didn't matter what I did. I was a sinner. 
in the same way now. When I put my faith in Christ, I became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.21. You want to hear something crazy? And it doesn't matter what I do now. I'll always be the righteousness of God in Christ. Why? My nature's been changed. This is one of the great truths that's been hid from the body of Christ. When you put your faith in Christ, your nature is changed. You're not the same anymore. The old has passed away. You are a new creature. And you've been born from the seed of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So why am I righteous now? Because I was polite to my wife this morning? No. Well, I don't know. Was I? I don't know. You know, when I'm waking up, I'm not too fun to be around. I'm kind of like a bear coming out of hibernation. I don't know. No, I'm righteous because he made me righteous. How did I become righteous? I believed him. I believe that he became my sin and now I'm righteous. That's all that Jesus asks for us is to believe in who he is and what he's done for us. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Hello, that was all of us. Even so, in the same way, through the obedience of the one, who's that? Jesus, right? The many will be made righteous. Look, the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Hallelujah! So that as sin reigned in death before Christ, even so grace reigns now through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah! He's elevated us. He's lifted us. He's made us his righteousness. He's made us his sons and daughters. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And all these things are from him. Hallelujah. Let's finish with this scripture. Love this. Going to read it out of three different translations. Colossians chapter 1. Higher! Woo! Higher! Glory to God. Colossians chapter 1, verses uh, 12 through 15. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. To share, to enjoy the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has. Do you notice this is all past tense? We're not waiting for God to do it. It's done. He has qualified us. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have it's done we have redemption the forgiveness of sins hallelujah the message i like this says it this way in verse 13 god rescued us from dead end alleys and dark dungeons he set us up <laughs> god has set you up in the kingdom of the son he loves so much the son who got us out of the pit we were in, who got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. How? He gave us a new nature. We look at, his, at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose. Woo! Glory to God, I need a tissue. <laughs> Pardon me. Something's tickling my nose. <laughs> so when we look at the sun, we see God's original purpose. We see the true knowledge of God. Last translation, then we're done. The Passion Translation. 
Your hearts can soar. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will soar on wings like eagles. Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think of how God made you worthy. How God elevated you and lifted you up and seated you with his son to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely (laughs) from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the Son, all our sins are canceled. And we have the release of redemption through his very blood. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn heir of all creation. Hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we magnify your name. You are the true portrait of God. You are the the vision, the true knowledge of the invisible God. We look at you and we see the nature of our Father and we rejoice in you this morning and thank you that you You have canceled every sin. You have rescued us completely. You've brought us into your family as your very own sons and daughters. Hallelujah. You've taken away all shame. Our past is behind us. We're your very own children now. And Father, we thank you for it. Hallelujah. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.